Wonder Thing Studios proudly presents the Roundtable Podcast, Episode 76. Hello, literary alchemists. I'm Lauren Scribe Harris. And I'm Dave Robison. And you've tuned in to the Roundtable Podcast. On the Roundtable Podcast, we invite writers to come onto the show and pitch a story idea to us and our esteemed guest host. And then we leap into the dragon race, fighting through the obstacles of underdeveloped plot, battle the draconauts of craft and character, and cheer on our writer to the finish line of literary gold. gold. Holy crap, we're draconauts. We're going to fight draconauts. Yeah. <laughs> so awesome. Oh, my uh, God. Lauren, you you have a gift for this. I am so yes. good. Thank you so much, Lauren, for being my wing person for this, this awesome ride. This has been a blast so far. Oh, I am so happy to be on. <laughs> <laughs> I'll be your wing woman any day in this we're- dragon race. Ah, oh, yes, and we will slay the dragon. <laughs> knots of doom uh see there's stories just happening just they, they fall from us like 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 sweat from a runner's calves <laughs> yeah there's a metaphor okay uh moving right along how about this the blood from a velociraptor's jaw there we go okay good there yes go. Now, actually japanese mythology uh, uh there was a there was a cycle uh where where the gods were like sneezing and and other gods would come into oh, existence yes. and they'd sweat and and gods would come into every bodily function mm-hmm. resulted in a god so <laughs> I'm, I'm not well, i mean I'm, zeus knows that fairly well <laughs> right. yes exactly exactly so we're mythological we, we we've got a classical heritage that we're working here dear friends let's let's uh Let's bring our guest host back on and and dive into the goodness of this particular episode. Returning from her fabulous 20 minutes with of just seven days ago, we are only too pleased to welcome back to the big chair here at the round table, Dr. Jilly Dreadful. Jilly, I'm, I'm delighted not only to have you back, but also at the prospect of brainstorming a story with you. Thank you so much for making the time, ma'am. Oh, no. Thank you for inviting me. As always, I'm humble and excited <laughs> a wonderful combination now now look Jilly, the 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 first class offering of the brainery concluded uh, uh and you just fired up the the second one the the spring and in air quotes the spring because i'm looking out the window i'm seeing snow and ice uh, but <laughs> the, uh, the yeah. spring session started at the end of january uh so you're in the middle of that you've got so much going on so i'm really keen to ask you what's what's coming up for you what does it look like as we cast our eyes ahead a week a month a year uh in the life of jilly dreadful well um right now uh, i'm happy to announce that we have our first publication from a story that was workshopped in the brainery last fall that's awesome Um, yep Um, uh, my student, Valerie Valdez, she got a contract from She Walks in the Shadows. It was a feminist uh, Cthulhu anthology, or uh, I should say a feminist Lovecraft anthology um, that was being published by Innsmouth Free Press. And we're so excited about that because that story rocked. And um, I knew, I told her that if they, if they didn't get chosen, then I, I would just have to, like, I didn't know what it was. 
I wouldn't understand how editors make choices anymore. You you think that you can recognize good writing, and then when you know your students get the rejections, you're like, why is that getting rejected? I don't understand. And so like I just was very happy that to feel validated. I was like, yes, I had spidey sense tinglys on this one. This one's gonna sell, and it did. <laughs> And, um, and I actually have a story in that collection coming up too. Um, so I'm, I'm excited for us both, but I'm more excited that my student uh, got her, the publication. Is that Spoken weird? like a true teacher. <laughs> well said. Well said. Uh, so, so you're brainstorming stories in the, in the, during the, the brainery sessions? Well, yeah, that's part of the reason why I was really interested in participating in the roundtable podcast because we do those sort of brainstorming strategies for the writers. Okay. Yeah, we're always looking at the story and brainstorming as a group and, um, like, when do you decide a story is done enough to send out for publication? And that's always um, a tough question. Yeah, yeah, it is. And, you know, revision, because like I said last week, I'm not a writer, I'm a rewriter, and so I mm. always incorporate revision as part of our schedule, mm. and because um, I think it's important to instill that value of rewriting in fiction writers early on so that you learn to do this as opposed to just expecting to be brilliant on that first try. And that's why the brainstorming is so important too, because then you get to see those missed opportunities and then you get excited that other people were excited about that and you go and have like energy to go revise. Oh my, yes. The the chemistry, the energy is potent. Yeah. Yeah. So you got, you got a story from one of your students. You got one of your stories coming out. What, is there anything else coming up for you? Oh yes. So I think I'm going to try to do in June, June, two smaller workshops for the summer. I'm, I haven't decided exactly how it's going to work because my life is going to be get very complicated with a, a cross-country move in the summertime. But um, I, luckily, the beauty of the brainery is that it is all online. That's right. <laughs> so like, it's um, everywhere. Yeah. So, like, even if I'm in a hotel room, as long as there's, you know, some sort of internet connection, I should be able to still meet my class. <laughs> right. Um, so, uh, yeah, I was thinking of doing a short uh, novel workshop, like a truncated, like, six weeks one, or maybe it might be a little bit longer, like eight weeks, so that you have a week to read everybody's novel, or even maybe two weeks to read everyone's novel, and it would be real small, so, like, four or five people. Okay. And then um, a lot of people are clamoring for science fiction fairy tales. They didn't have time to incorporate into their schedule in the, the spring, so um, they want to take it in the summer. And um, it's something that's really been a lot of fun. I'm, I'm teaching that way different than, like, how I do short fiction. We read, like, Joseph Campbell, Myths to Live By, and we talk about mythology and culture and how these things are influencing um, how we talk about science. And then we're talking about fairy tale tropes and how can we marry um, science with these fairy tale uh, conventions to tell our own stories. And then um, we, and I'm also doing something different in that I'm incorporating writing exercises in all the workshops. Now we have like dedicated writing time in each class um, in both short fiction, science fiction, fairy tales. And these are actually turning out to be really helpful. And I didn't do that in the fall, but it's something that I'm incorporating in the spring. And I continue, I will continue to do this because it's helpful sometimes to like 
Um, have someone give you a prompt and in, in like 15 minutes, like a writing sprint, go. <laughs> sure. Well, and I can see, I can see the brainery continuing to evolve as, as you and your students and the community continues to grow and evolve and change. You're, you're in a unique position to adapt and, and renovate and, and innovate uh, into new ways of, of teaching. I think that's awesome. Yeah. Cause that's like, I am not really interested in teaching the same way every semester. Um, I don't want to, I don't want to just replicate the same workshop with different students. I want to try to push myself to get the most out of my students every semester in different ways. So excellent. Yeah. Anything else coming up? Any, any publications that you're working on? What's, what's going on? Um, let's see. So we've got the, she walks in shadows. I have a lot of stuff in submission right now. <laughs> so I have her back from all those places. So we'll see. I recently had um, a little piece of flash fiction come out in Devilfish Review, which is a really um, neat, small, uh, speculative fiction press uh, run by Kathy Lopez. And, um, and me and my writing partner, Kevin Moss, are working on our version of a Welcome to Night Vale Ooh. type of serialized podcast, but nice. it's going to be focused on a science fiction a version of like a Hogwarts, but for college, and um, and it's gonna be focused. Lauren's freaking out. <laughs> and, and it's focused. And it's focused on um, the central narrative is on the friendship of the two female leads, and we just uh, cast the podcast, and um, we're gonna try to start hitting production. I think in April. For a release date in June, we don't wow. have a title yet, wow. but um, we're we're real excited. <laughs> That's huge. Yeah, it's outstanding. Already got at least one listener. Yay! <laughs> <laughs> and I'm betting there's a few more out there in the in the roundtable listenership that are going squee. That's awesome. <laughs> so, do you uh, do you attend conventions, Jilly? I used to, and I try um, when I have the extra money. Like over the last couple of years, when I was just applying to um, academic jobs, I had to conserve all extra money applying sure, to jobs. Sure. So I didn't actually get to go. But um, in 2012, I had still some fellowship money from that year, and I went to um, the Steampunk World's Fair. I went it, that's in um, New Jersey, and I went to um, ReaderCon in ah, Walton, yes. Massachusetts. Yeah. And oh my gosh, ReaderCon was so small and intimate, but also so informative. And all of the people who are there are also like writers and practitioners themselves. And we're all having like these really interesting conversations about like how the narrative of the werewolf myth has evolved and changed <laughs> like the civil rights movement. And I was just like, oh my gosh, this is so amazing. And a new way to thinking about like werewolves. So I, I don't know. It's just really amazing. I just, I loved ReaderCon. And, um, I've noticed too that I think conventions are such an important thing for writers to go oh, to. Oh yeah. Believe it. Um, yeah. It, it, Cause it's, it's so good to like find exciting new things to read, but also to like be surrounded by your, by your people. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so nice. <laughs> well, and, and, uh, let me let me turn the mic real quick. Just we, we, we're, everybody's going. We want a workshop, but I want to hear just real quick. Uh, uh, Lauren, what's coming up for you? I know you've got some stuff in the works. I do. Uh, in fact, I am currently publishing a new podcast that sounds actually something similar to something possibly Doctor Dreadful may Ooh. wish to come on at some point as a Ooh. as a uh, as a guest. It's called Fandom PhD. 
Oh, excellent. <laughs> this is, uh, this is my best friend since I was 12 who, and she's a librarian. She's a former member of the Pendragon Variety podcast. Um, and she and I are just discussing and unpacking, uh, different ideas. And, uh, the, the tagline is the intersection of academia and squeeze. <laughs> oh, yes. our, first, our first couple episodes are out now the very first one is talking about snape and villainry Ooh. oh my god yes. so, okay yeah, so, yeah. so this is uh this is a really fun podcast and it's kind of uh just the, the meeting of academia and popular media and so when you talked about werewolves there we have literally had the werewolf discussion <laughs> and uh, that's gonna be up in the next couple of weeks <laughs> really what's do you have a do you have a firm uh, launch date lauren we do not have a firm launch date for that particular episode but the podcast itself is actually up and running we've got four episodes out and it is fandomphd.com ding or in the case of ding. the round table because we use the whip that's that's yeah. our thing that's fabulous but but that's not all, is it? No. Uh, in addition, I am uh, I am approaching the completion of the story that I workshopped on the Roundtable podcast, yeah. the Song of the Heretic, and uh, it is approaching two hundred thousand words oh, Jesus. at the moment. <laughs> so that's why it's taken me almost two years. <laughs> you can kill a velociraptor with that one. It is a chihuahua crusher or a velociraptor crusher. Yes. And so that is very exciting, and uh, I will soon be. Oh. Also drafting the second novella in the Mill Road Academy Exorcist series. Wow. Holy smokes. You got it going on, girl. Congratulations. That's outstanding. That's exceptional. Thank you so much. Well, look. Guys, I will make sure that all of that, as much as I can tease out from the from the playback, all of that will get into the liner notes so that all of our listeners can, can tune in, click on, and and engage with all of that fabulosity. Uh, but for now, here's what I'd like to do. I'd like to take a short break and and give some uh, podcast airtime to another fabulous podcast. Uh, you know, Lauren, if you've got a audio promo for <clears throat> fandom phd you could that, that can happen throw it my way um <laughs> but uh or an ebook or or some other fabulousness that's happening out there in the world uh and when we come back jilly lauren i would love to workshop a story with you what do you say i say full steam ahead i think yeah. that's Good. Yes, absolutely. I couldn't agree more. I All right, for surgery. <laughs> let's, get let's, let's, let's cut something. I say let's ride that velociraptor into the <laughs> Friends, don't you go anywhere. We will be right back. <laughs> After winning a hard-fought victory, Commander Jared Mertz and Princess Kelsey discover another insidious foe blocking their way home. A remnant of the old empire still exists and seems allied with the savage, AI-dominated Pale Ones. With the existence of the Terran Empire at stake, another enemy, this one from Jared's past, threatens everything they've worked so hard to achieve. Jared and Kelsey must fight for survival, while the fate of humanity hangs in the balance. Command Decisions, Book 3 in the Empire of Bones Saga, available at Amazon.com. Get your copy today. And 
And we have returned astride our Velociraptor steeds. <laughs> Indeed, galumphing, galumphing into the into the roundtable podcast arena for the, for the main event, uh, uh, the glorious, fabulous froth that is the roundtable, the workshop. And the workshop does not happen without a bold and courageous, a creative and courageous guest writer willing to step up and put their story in, into the sand for its potential growth into gold. Uh, and dear friends, our guest writer for this episode is currently living in the semi-nifty Commonwealth of Virginia. He's been writing stories since he could hold pen to paper. By day, he's an IT support desk guy telling people to turn off their computers and turn them on again. By night and weekend, he writes speculative fiction in half a dozen worlds. Uh, Now, in 2012, he achieved his dream of publishing his first novel, The Sincerest Form of Flattery, the first entry in the Statford Chronicles. Uh, Shortly after that, he appeared on the round table, workshopping the second story in that series. And then later that year, he published that bad boy, which means he was knighted. He is the first knight of the round table, exalted among all. Now, since then, he has put out three more volumes in that series and has his sights set on book six in the Chronicles, A Tangled Web, being published before Memorial Day of this year, just in time for Balticon. Uh, Between books about gods and detectives, he's working on a steampunk cyborg intrigue novel, a children's book, and a superhero trilogy. Dear friends, please welcome back to the writer's chair here at the roundtable, Sir... John Walker. Sir Walker, sir. <laughs> oh, thank, you. thank you. I'll be here all week. Try the veal tip the way. <laughs> Dude, I don't care how many times you've done this, it's never easy to put your baby up for scrutiny. So much oh, screw that. Butcher this little bastard. <laughs> well, all right then. Let's just dive into it as long as we're gonna throw that down. All right, John, here's the deal. We're gonna give you five to eight minutes. You're on the clock. Uh, give us the the title, the genre, the format, who your target audience is. Give us the the hook line and the theme. Introduce us to the world and the characters. And then give us just some basic story tent poles to hang our hats on. And we'll galumph off on our velociraptors and start this workshop. I'm going to get out of the way, bud. The mic is all yours. Okay. And I uh, do want to thank you all for having me back. It's wonderful. <laughs> <laughs> you betcha, bud. It's beautiful. It's a beautiful thing. It's a beautiful damn thing. Uh, okay. Title is, uh, it's a working title, Awakenings, Volume 1 of The Changed. Uh, genre is superheroes. I'm looking at the target audience, you know, about to comic book fans of 18 to 34. All right. The hook is a normal guy gets superpowers, decides to be become a hero, and ends up becoming an unwitting pawn in the fight for the supremacy of the world. The theme I've got so far is uh, there's that there's more to being a hero than just power. Um, I've set the world as a – it's modern-day Earth, only with uh, hidden super-powered beings hidden and scattered throughout the world in seemingly random places. Uh, as far as characters, I have, uh, of course, our protagonist, hero, uh, he, his uh, name's Jim Travers. He's given superpowers uh, by virtue of his genes. Uh, he's an honorable, honest mom, apple pie, American flag 
Boy Scout type. Uh, he's very unsure of himself, but he's good-natured, hopeful, just all-around good guy. He's also invulnerable, can fly tall buildings. He's very powerful. Uh, supporting cast is, uh, I've got an ensemble cast. Uh, he's love interest who turns around, stabs him in the back. Uh, there, there's those that are encompassing the good guys who are working as kind of a resistance against the antagonists. Uh, the antagonists are a super secret society dedicated to destroying, studying, and eventually wiping out the other changed in the world. Uh, there are three main big bads. Uh, there's Socrates, who happens to be an immortal. Uh, colonel, a colonel named Plato, and a hunter killing machine, uh, named Plutarch. Uh, Socrates is a megalomaniacal sociopath. Plato's <laughs> the diehard. Yeah, I know. There's a lot of those going around. Um, Plato is a, is a diehard soldier, and Plutarch is a killer. He's cold, methodical. He's death incarnate. What I have as far as kind of the primary overall conflict, he's, is Jim is so powerful, uh, that he can shift the balance of power between either good or evil. Act one, uh, is the, is of course the introduction of all the, of the characters, uh, the protagonist, the antagonist, and several of the supporting characters. There's Jim's, uh, change where he becomes this walking flying powerhouse um exposition of uh plutarch's bloodthirstiness and also socrates's plan to get jim or at least his dna the uh act two of course that's plot exposition uh jim's discovering his powers and abilities and one of the characters called the knight observing jim and trying to see which way he's going to fall. During this, uh, Jim loses his love interest. Uh, the knight loses his mentor. The mentor has been kidnapped by Socrates, and that's his bait for a trap. Act three is um, the the big battle scene, battle between humans and the changed. Socrates' final weapon is Plutarch, spliced with Jim's DNA. So you have a cold killer who can move mountains, literally. There's a huge fight. Jim discovers that his girl has is the one who, who stabbed him in the back. At the end of the battle, the cave is destroyed. Socrates is defeated. And Jim realizes that he has to be a hero for all. He's accepted with the lair and uh, joins their team. Uh, the epilogue, um, is his, his girl giving a sample of Jim's DNA to some unseen in the shadows, big bad. And she's told she'll be rewarded and a tentacle wraps around the vial and we fade to black. Ooh, nasty. All right. Um, friends, we had a, we had a, a guest writer drop out at literally the last minute. Uh, uh, and, and John Walker bravely and boldly, the courageous guest writer that he is, stepped up and said, I will stand for you, Dave, to make sure this happens. So while, while that pitch, uh, uh is certainly not necessarily indicative of, of John's, 
uh, usual flair and structure, uh, I think there's I think there's good food there, and I think we can work with it. And I'm not making not making apologies. I'm just saying, dude, you had very little time to come up with a whole lot of stuff, and I'm grateful for that. I will I will always be grateful for that. So thank you. Oh, uh, no problem. Uh, now I'm just going to have a drink and. <laughs> <laughs> well, let me before we get into this, John. What are you hoping to get out of this? What 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 would you like us to what what do you perceive as areas that need attention? I need a I I have a beginning, I have an end. I have I, I it's getting it's the roadmap I'm looking for. Okay. I'm really looking for a roadmap. Where can I be not totally derivative? Where can I be? Where is it okay to be derivative? Okay. Um, okay. Well, I think I think you've got the right group for that. I, yeah, yeah, I heard I heard last week's. <laughs> yeah. Boy. So I think we're in good shape. I think we're in good shape. Before we dive into this, though, we we really need to cover our butts. Um, so, Lauren, would you be so kind as to read the patented roundtable disclaimer, please? Absolutely, Sir John Walker. You are about to experience a veritable deluge of ideas, insights, and inspirations. It's important you realize that everything said from this point forward by myself, Dave, or Dr. Jilly Dreadful, might be complete and utter velociraptor feces. (laughs) (laughs) This is your story, and you decide what to use and what to cast aside, okay? Okay. Um, I I was banking on that. I told you, got this little (laughs) bastard up. Velociraptor feces (laughs) away. Awesome. Very good. All right, so it is traditional here at the round table that we uh, take one quick turn around the table uh, uh, and just uh, briefly touch on uh, points that jumped out at us, things we liked, and, and ask some questions of clarification uh, uh, so that we all have a good, solid idea of what we're dealing with. We, we traditionally start with our guest host. So, Jilly, start us off. What, do you, what are your first impressions of John's pitch, and, and what kind of questions do you have to clarify that will let you get some, get some traction in the brainstorm? Okay. So um, the things that jumped out to me that I'm really interested in are um, Jim's apple pie and American flags kind of transition and the moral quandary that he's going to be put in. Um, I would see. so you're looking for a roadmap in the middle and um, so that's actually the part that I felt like had this opportunity for the most gray area growth for this character, because uh, ostensibly he's in love with his love interest. <laughs> and so when she's going to stab him in the back, I would like to see him, because you mentioned at the beginning that he has to decide what, which team he's going to be joining. And the love interest, I assume is sort of like ingratiating herself into the lair, the group of good guys, and um, but is really working for the other side. And so I think that they're, the thing that I was most interested in is what, how is he going to be conflicted about making that choice? And um, I, I always like seeing uh, characters who think they're all apple pie, you know, end up, really are made of dark matter um, <laughs> or at least you know they um they 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 dabble <laughs> or uh, they, may, they may end up choosing you know choosing apple pie and, and american flags at the end but i would like i'm really interested to see how he's going to be possibly seduced by the other side um and not just like in a sexual sort of way but that would also be fun um 
And so that was the thing that I was most interested in is um, that that question. The other thing that I'm really interested in was um, this idea of his DNA being spliced with Plutarch at the end. Mm-hmm. Um, and I kind of want to know why why is it why Jim? Oh, and this also speaks back to another question I had at the very beginning because um, it's called Awakenings. Uh, volume one, the changed, and um, I want to know how how is the mythology of people acquiring their powers in this universe? Is it um, X Men, um, where it's like people have solar flares and genetic mutations and radioactive spiders that are biting them, <laughs> or uh, are are they uh, you know picking up boxes and there's just like you know powers in a box and suddenly they're infused? Uh, I would like to know a little bit more. Um, because, like, it seems like it's on a DNA level, at least for Jim, and that's why they need his, his DNA to splice it with Plutarch. But I was never really clear, like, how is he even acquiring these powers? Yeah. Real quick, John, what, what's, oh, your, what's your, how do, you, how do you see these superpowers coming into existence? Uh, the superpowers are genetic in origin. Uh, they okay. are, um, I actually have a minor character at, at the end of this trilogy who is the progenitor of these powers. Ooh, the patient zero. Oh. Not that's no, really he's actually no, he's actually current it's actually he um it's involves time travel. <laughs> <laughs> Holy crap. As all good stories do. <laughs> as, as all good stories do. <laughs> but right. it's all but it but it's all yeah, but the, he is a patient zero, but he's he's his own patient zero. Okay. So he he like he created himself to have powers. Right, he goes back. He, okay. get, he gets these powers. Eventually, goes back in time to give himself these powers and everybody else. Okay, and how does he give them to other people? Like, is he just? I um, mean, I mean, I don't know. Is this like a Genghis Khan situation where he's no. just like, <laughs> no, like, not that, not <laughs> that. an STD. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so sorry. My mind goes to dirty places. I'm sorry. Oh, <laughs> how does he do it, John? How does he do it? He, he actually tweaks the genes. By hand. Oh, that's a, that's a superpower. So he's, so no, he's picking people to do this. Yeah, just semi-random. Except for when he goes back in time, he does the uh, he okay. does the ones who's supposed to get them. It's otherwise there's a paradox, and as we all know, paradox bad. But that's not really germane to this particular story, is it? Correct. Okay, that's, let's 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 shelve that aside then. Right. Okay. Let's let's move on. All right. And what, okay. what was what was your other question, Jilly? You had oh, why Jim? Yeah, why Jim? Because um, especially now that I know that he was, well, I guess there's a 50-50 chance that he was randomly chosen. Mm, yeah, well, yeah. Again, I hadn't gotten that far. Okay, okay, okay. All, right. all right. We'll fill that in. We'll fill that in. Cool. Awesome. Anything else, Jilly? Uh, I think that's it for now. I have okay. other other notes, but I'm laying it stew for the moment. <laughs> Good. Okay. Awesome. Lauren, on over to you. Uh, first impressions and questions of clarification. All right. Well, part of my first impression actually was a little bit. I got a bit of a Captain America vibe from Jim, um, and some. I think there's there's a little bit of the um, the mythology of Captain America we can look into for some inspiration there. Uh, on the types of conflicts that are good with these lawful good type characters. 
and uh, what sorts of moral quandaries you can throw at them to really throw them for a loop. So I think there's a lot of rich stuff we can dive into there for uh, mm. for some inspiration. Um, my my big question here was um, a pair of side characters that were mentioned that I don't really understand the role of, and that is uh, the knight and his mentor. Um, what do um. they want? And what do the, the the Greeks, for lack of a better term for the bad guys, um, want with the mentor or with the knight by stealing his mentor as um, as a as bait? That was my question too. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, the knight, it, the mentor was the knight before a disfiguring accident. the The current knight is a second generation. Oh, cool. It's a, it's a he's a superhero. Well, he he's more he's very Batman esque. Yeah, so, okay. but, but also like Night Owl, like in Watchmen, like That's second exactly generation. Where I was going. That's exactly okay. where I was going with. Okay, exactly. okay. Yeah. So he has inherited the title. The 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 um, the knight has inherited the title of the knight from his mentor, who was the previous knight. Correct. Yes, ma'am. Okay. So what does? What do the Greeks want with this person? Where are their where do their alliances fall? Okay, um, the knight and his mentor are the uh, they're the they're the part of the lair. They're okay. they're the res, the quote unquote resistance. They're getting the the change that managed to escape from the uh, cave and Plutarch and all them. Okay, so they're kind of the recruiters for the lair. Right. Gotcha. Okay, so and then the lair is just trying to get them, or not the lair, sorry, um, the the Plutarch and and uh, and Socrates the and cave. stuff are just the cave. That's yes. what they're called. Okay, I just kept calling them the Greeks in my head. There's <laughs> all these like Greek philosopher names. Then that's um, why I chose them actually, because I started off with the I started off thinking, okay, let me get something snappy. Hey, Socrates, oh Plato, the cave, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Um, well, beyond that, um, I had, I also had some other questions, but, uh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna turn it over to Dave and let these other questions sort of see if they get answered in, in chattery later. Okay, cool. Um, John, several things jumped out at me and really caught my imagination. Um, for, first of all, the, the, the theme I think is, is, uh, a good one. You know, the fact that it takes more than power to be a hero, uh, I think I think that is a theme that that makes a lot of sense. I'm not sure it's a theme that's that's borne out by your story. Uh, uh, so I just want to put that on as as the, the the events that are unfolding in the story don't necessarily support that. And I'm not sure that's a bad thing because I think there's a couple of ways we can go with this. Um, the other thing that really caught my imagination was the idea that Jim can go either way, uh, and that as a as a as the most powerful hero, uh, uh, the fact that there's some question as to whether he'll commit to to subjugation and dominion and and lording his supremacy over these lesser beings or stand as their defender, uh, that's kind of huge uh, because I, th- I think a lot of uh, a lot of people feel that in a very in a much smaller sense because we're not Superman. Uh, but every day we go out in, into the world, there there are opportunities for us to either affirm the the darkness or or affirm the light. Uh, to to put it a little prosaically, but but that's that's a choice that we have every day, and escalating it to the to the level of superhero powers, I think is is really intriguing, and I, and I'd like to see actually more of that 
in the story. I think that would really expand on on what the the thematic aspect is. The last thing that really made me stand up and take notice was uh, in Act Three, the battle between humans and the changed. Yeah, and and there wasn't a whole lot to support that statement in act one or act two, but it sounded like, uh, 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 this, this, this mass revolt of, of homo mundane against homo superior. Is, is that what you were talking about? Or were you talking about just the, the bad guys in the story? Uh, I was really talking about, the, um, the bad guys. Uh, who, who were the humans that were fighting that, the, that the, those are the bad guys. But 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 Socrates and Plato and Plutarch aren't human. Uh, I, no. Uh, and I, I, okay, sorry. Um, Socrates is is a changed. He's also, but he's he's just immortal. He doesn't have a physical manifestation of his powers. He can't shoot ray beams out his ass. He just can't die. Like that. Right. Just, okay. That that's kind of badass. He just can't die. He, yeah, but all he can do, I mean, you know, you strap him down, you know, he, yeah, he's, not, he's not going anywhere. He's okay. Just, <laughs> all right. So anyway, the antagonists, the antagonists, their their uh, their objective was to destroy study and wipe out all the changed. Right. Right. So are you saying they're kind of like team human in the sense that they want humans to remain the the biggest bully on the playground? Correct. And, oh, okay. Okay. Now let let me ask you this: Do the rest of the cave know that Socrates is immortal, or or does all of the cave think everybody's human and and that's their rallying cry? Plato knows. Plato knows, uh, but, but everybody okay. else, right? All the mundane it, little they all think they're fighting for humanity, right? When in fact, Socrates one of them's a change, right? And Socrates and is trying so... to nice. Nice. And Socrates actually creates a a change in Plutarch using Jim's genes toward the end in order to win that battle. Right. So he's a total hypocrite. <laughs> <laughs> well, and you could argue that you know the the, the cave wants you know the, the 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 superheroes are out there. They're uncontrolled. They're 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 running rampant. Who knows what can happen? We need to control this. We need to understand and isolate their powers and give them to the worthy ones, the appropriate ones. I'm thinking mm-hmm. the blonde-haired, blue-eyed ones. Uh, uh, and creepy. you know, and nice, and, yeah. and 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 so and then that and we're still human. We're just but we, what we've chosen to take on these power. Blah blah blah. You know that that that's creepy and also it gives me something to get behind because I can see, you know, the cave. Uh, uh, being, you know, in the whole, you know, Days of Futures Past with X Men, mm-hmm. you know, there's a there's a good reason why humans should be terrified as crap from people like Magneto and and mm-hmm. the mutants out there, and that that that's a justified villain. So I'm liking that. Yeah. Um, I'd actually kind of like to, you know, maybe riff a little harder on Days of Futures Past, not not the time travel thing, but the whole mutants versus humans thing. Right. Uh, I, I I think that's. I think there's there's mileage there that has not been explored uh, in, in literary fiction, and this could be a great vehicle for that. I so, hope so. so okay, so those are, those are my first uh, first observations, first points. All right, so let's dive into this thing, Jilly. You had other ideas, other concepts, other things you wanted to explore. What what do you want to dig into first? Well, um, I really wanted to talk about whether or not Jim is as impressionable as the first 
pass uh, uh, leads me to believe that he is. Yes. Um, so, yes. Um, because it's really hard for me to imagine uh, someone who would be really up to the whims of their partner or a, a friend or would be more of a follower in this situation, um, especially because he's going to be endowed with uh, these powers. So is Jim aware of how powerful he is? No. There, I'll just say it like that. Okay. No, he's not. He know. He. Know, I mean, he knows he can take a. I mean, and the way I see it, like I said, is a uh, um, a semi truck smashes into his car, ejects him out, and he stops the truck with his bare hands. Okay. He realizes he can do something like that, but he doesn't realize that the extent. I mean, there. You know, he doesn't know his upper limits. Okay. The other thing I wanted to know is what are his powers? So it seems like invulnerability. Invulnerability, flight, speed, super strength. Um, I wanted to know if you're familiar with uh, Supreme Power by J. Michael Straczynski. Yes. Um, okay. And then the other one is Irredeemable by Mark Wade. Um, it's per, it's a comic book published by Boom Studios. No, I, I, I've. I've met Mark Wade, but I've never read that one. Okay, that's. I think like those. Uh, you, you're, well, you're familiar with Supreme Power, so right. you, you. I presume you've read it. Um, but I think Irredeemable might be another one that you might want to look at, uh, just because like the main character is is like weirdly sympathetic, even though he's like totally evil, and <laughs> um, and like he was apple pie and American flags, and now he is not. And, um, I think, you know, cause I, <laughs> I, I'm the person who likes to draw my resources and, and, and consume things. So I, I figure if I can give you things to read, that might also spark ideas for yourself. Cause I'm not, mm. I mean, I, um, I'm not entirely certain if, even if Jim doesn't know how powerful he is, why would he be impressionable at all? If he is sort of like a Captain America, for lack of a better like term, he's like a good guy. If he has um, strong convictions, how could they be tested so easily? How can they be? Yeah, and does it come down to the love interest, or is it something different? Um, he's like the knight has his mentor, but I'm not sure like what Jim's uh, motivation is. Well, he Jim has no no idea. There's he's he thinks he's alone. Oh, okay. He think he doesn't know about the night. He doesn't know. I mean, he's he's heard the urban legend of the night, but he hasn't. Nobody's ever seen him. He doesn't know about all the rest of the change. Why not? Because because the cave has kept a lid on it. So so wait now. Hold on. Hold on. So there aren't superheroes in the world, right? Well, they're hidden. Well, they're just hidden. Or so every time. Himself. So so somehow the cave has some sort of superhero detector that when a child is born that has the potential for superpowers they snatch it they they have to manifest first they manifest it's it's almost mutation it's almost so their powers it's, are latent right and every time and they manifest like can... every time they manifest the cave is there and snatches them just about yes Oh, I have a question. Yeah. Um, so when they snatch these uh, super, or I guess changed, because they're not really superheroes yet, um, right. what do they do with the people that they that they kidnapped? 
are they just like put in a prison? Do they kill them? Do they dissect them for yes, parts? Yes, 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 yes. Okay. <laughs> so they literally kill them and and dissect them and and study their genes and blah blah blah. Yeah, per, yeah. Uh, and and they're doing this to children, babies, adults, all in between. Take your pick. Really? Uh, like I said, there these are not the the cave is essentially they're a eugenics program trying to okay. lo- knock at trying to keep homo sapiens as a pri- as the primary as 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 uh lauren said you know bully on the block you know i like that by the way <laughs> you mind if i no like, totally, can i steal it yeah of course I'm so one <laughs> one thing that just hit me here is um the idea of of playing with um how how he can be become a pawn if his morals are so strong and stuff like that. And the thought that I had was the idea of, uh, I'm, I'm thinking, what is all American? What happens with America? What makes America the, um, the enemy in other people's eyes? And a lot of that is the, is fear. So we have these, uh, within the, the culture of America, we have these fears, fear of Islam, fear of the other, fear of things like that, that drive a lot of the less savory parts of the culture. And so he's got these sudden new powers. He thinks he's alone and he is not only afraid himself, but he's afraid of what other people will fear. He's afraid that other people are going to fear him. Oh my gosh. What if, what if the only person he trusts and confides in is his girlfriend? And so she, uh, I'm, I'm trying to think of how we can make her a little bit more sympathetic so that she doesn't end up being the bad woman trope. Yeah. yeah bad woman with power trope. Because she's I'm the, the only, only female. That I've heard of exactly. So and we've got all of, and, and, and especially in comic books now, we're really trying to, in comic books and superheroes, we're really trying to battle for women being oh, I... powerful so and, and good. So, right. uh, and I know that's probably you probably have other side characters who are awesome and, and female, yes. but but yeah, I do, uh, actually. yeah, I'm I'm sure you do that. Um, so that wasn't meant as a um, oh, I know as an insult, but um, I'm thinking at this point, why can't we play on the fact that she's afraid too, and she doesn't know what's going on, and so suddenly her boyfriend becomes you know Captain America and Superman. She didn't know that was possible, and so she starts looking things up. And she actually accidentally tips off the cave and they contact her and show her all of these terrible things that um, these people with power have done and convince her that her that her boyfriend is going to turn on her like a pit bull, like pit bulls are said to do. That's just some of the idea that the the connection that just happened there for maybe getting some uh, some ideas for that uh, the moral conundrum. And, well, and, um, and let's riff on that a little bit more. Let's let's go ahead and have the brother, uh, a sibling of his girlfriend, uh, uh, be disappeared by the cave. Oh, I got chills from that because so, then, yeah, yeah, that makes a lot more sense why you'd be willing to listen to any of that. Absolutely, right. absolutely. So what if, what if, like they they, if he's this like all American hero type i mean he could even have been like rotc or marine or something like that and so when he comes back and he you know is maybe i don't know if he's you know in school or if he's law enforcement i don't know what age he is but what Mm. but you know giving him one of those sort of protector type roles in society and she might gravitate toward that if she had a 
um, a sibling that disappeared and, and that has forever haunted her. And so she comes to find out all that. Go, go, Dave, well, Dave. Well, yeah. And give her some agency, you know, I mean, she, she's not going to take that lying down. My, 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 my brother's disappeared and she's going to, you know, have her dig through and have her discover the cave and yeah. tell him about it. And it's like, holy crap, dude! You you've got your superpowers. This these guys killed, took my took my my my, my brother, my sister, my sister. Or my or yeah. Or if I if if I may, um, she before she meets Jim, right? She's a, she works as a nurse in a hospital, okay. and she's helping the cave look for. Uh, see, I think, changed. see, I, I, I don't want her to, and I don't want because it's my story, right? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, you know, I, I really think making the girl not an agent of the cave initially is much yeah. more interesting because so because now you've you've got she he has an ally and the audience can believe he has an ally and we can watch the temptation of both of them him by the power and her by by the love of her sibling or or by the the, the seduction oh, and yeah. the lore of the cave uh, i i would just like to say that like um i'm seeing a lot of similarities to queer culture like being yes. um uh oh, yeah. closeted here and um, and the fear of coming out and losing your job, losing your family. And um, so I think that there's something really powerful about shame and yeah. what shame can create in terms of self-sabotage. And um, yeah. I feel like these are going to be um, a way – this is going to be like an access point for these two characters. Um, because especially if she – has some sort of experience and she's has, she's done this digging cause she has like obsessed with trying to reclaim her sibling. She's going to at once be in love with her boyfriend, Jim, but when he becomes changed, it's like how, I mean, and then there's almost like a, a transgender narrative there, right? Like how do you continue to love the person who is suddenly questioning um, their gender identity? Can you continue to love that person. Sorry, I have a gender studies background. No, so these no, are the absolutely. These are the touch points. Mm-hmm. So um, that's awesome. I feel I, I feel like there's a really powerful, you know, trans okay, narrative is, there too. He's physically invulnerable. So everything else about him needs to be very vulnerable. Yeah, he needs to be exposed. He needs to be naked mm. emotionally, intellectually. Uh, uh, yeah, very much so. That's awesome, Lauren. Exactly. I, I like that. Yeah. Because yeah. then it's playing against those uh, powers that are exhibiting. That's so good. That's yeah. so good. Well, and and I, you know, somebody tossed out the whole maybe he's ROTC. I'm. I'd, I'd actually suggest staying away from that, just because of the the mindset that is established of of the hierarchy and the the taking of orders and so on, mm-hmm. and 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 the 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 patriotism uh, uh, that that is that is inherent in that. Um, I can see, you know, he would become Captain America and, and he'd say, yes, I'm a superhero and I will fight for America. I will fight for the army, whatever. Uh, if he's not that, maybe give him a brother who is. Uh, and he receives word at some point, you know, maybe maybe he's, he's stationed in Afghanistan and he finds out that his brother has died. And he chooses to use his superpowers to take vengeance on, on those that... that according to the press anyway, uh, uh, did this to him. Mm. Uh, 
You know, I, I I'm I'm looking for ways to darken him or to test him. Oh, and then the cave really orchestrated all of that. <laughs> sure, yeah, sh- yeah. Uh, why not? Absolutely, you know, and and you know, yeah. I mean, obviously, if this is a genetically inherited uh, 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 mutation, then it makes sense that it would follow bloodlines. Oh, oh, okay. So, so the girlfriend, the girlfriend, maybe she's looking for ways to help her her boyfriend. She's looking for ways to maybe fix him, yes. change him back, and she st- comes across the cave. If we're going with the, if you end up going with the, she becomes an agent later rather than already was. Um, she comes across the cave, and it's almost like one of those moments um, in in the in like the homosexual na- uh, experience where a family member will go to a a priest or uh, someone oh. else and ask for guidance. What do I do? How do I fix them? And they just say, tell me more. And so they are pumping her for information right. about her boyfriend. So initially it's an unwitting betrayal until their attempts to change and fix him meet with, uh, meet with nothing. And, he, and he becomes somewhat the, or, or at least displays as part of the monster they're teaching her to fear. Yes. And that's when she mm. betrays him for real. I like that. I like that a lot. Let me let me ask you something, John. How old is Socrates the immortal? Uh he, I love that. Is he very actually is, <laughs> no, okay, he's is not he actually okay, he's not he's not actually Socrates? I was just gonna say <laughs> his last words were not I drank what? Okay. No no. What if he really is Socrates? What if, if, if he anything, really? I would go earlier. Like, earlier uh, than Socrates? Yeah. Uh, so this guy. Wait, 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 wait. This guy has been alive for thousands of years. Why not? No, no. I don't have a problem with that. The pro- because he's seen. Because that way he would understand evolution. He would a, understand everything. Yeah. On a much deeper level, which makes him the most powerful man in the world. Right. See, here's here's the here's the struggle I'm having. Socrates, you know, your your yeah, immort- immortality is not such a big power, dude. It is the power. It is the ultimate power. It is what every human. I mean, the 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 whole. It genome- would take away any fear. Exactly. Of why, why why would you have to be afraid of anybody? And when you're fearless, that's the thing that makes you powerful. It's not, yeah, I remember that from Daredevil. I remember that. That I remember that exact line from Daredevil. So, so I mean, this is a guy who knows, who has seen the full scope of of human existence. He, this guy, he should be running mega corporations and and influencing political uh, 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 nuances and and literally controlling the world from from this from his from his you know digital lair uh, up and up on the 25th floor of the of the Socrates tower um I, I kind of like the idea just because of the the, the the rich philosophical background that you have with Socrates mm-hmm. if if you know he took the hemlock and faked his death, just so he could disappear, and because uh, he realized maybe maybe that's when he realized he had a superpower. I can't die. Oh, I love it. You know, and then and, like Socrates is the one who's talking about people born with like gold and bronze and silver in their veins. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yes. So so take riffing on so- the the philosophies of Socrates and imagining 
if he lived forever and where he would go with the philosophies, the, the foundation he had and then the things that he saw, you know, the World War One, the Revolutionary War, the, the French Revolution, all of the, the scope of human history at his beck and call. Uh, 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 this this guy is is way cool, uh, uh, and and I mean he's he's oh god who is who is the big bad from uh, Watch the Watchmen? Uh, Ox- um, Ozy- mm-hmm. yes. I mean he's the smartest man in the world, uh, uh, and and this this really kind of smacks of this. You know, one thing that struck me was it it, it doesn't seem realistic that every time uh, a superpower manifests that the, that the that the the cave is there to throw a net over this guy and drag him off uh, uh especially if that power happens to be i can generate nuclear blasts uh or, or anything along those lines so i'm wondering if maybe the world is aware of it but it's always been isolated and it's always disappeared you mm. know the cave the cave always gets it but have humanity know because that that then plays into the gay perspective of being aware of these mutations and having Socrates have put a negative spin on them, you know, for decades now he's been spinning this and creating this, this hatred uh, uh, subliminally through our culture. And that just sets things up so beautifully. And then that's where the shame would come from because it's part, it's part of the cultural, um, it's part, part of the cultural consciousness to be ashamed of this thing. And so, no wonder why people would be in hiding if if they started exhibiting these powers. Yeah, yeah. So, John, let me let me touch base with you. We're starting to to run low on time. We're we, we've we've kind of defined some very cool ground here. What are you thinking about it? And and where is there any particular area you'd like us to focus on at this point? Well, right now, I just uh, every idea that I had, I'm kind of taking a bazooka too. Yeah, I'm just. <laughs> I, I mean, I, and I mean, I didn't realize as far as the whole um, uh, whole idea of uh, gen, you know, gender, transgender, LBGT. I wasn't looking at that when I had this idea. I was like, hey, some guys in capes break shit, you know? <laughs> well, and, 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 you know, honestly, John, that's what came across in the initial pitch. It, and it and seemed... I'll be honest with you. It seemed very flat. It didn't seem like you were exploring any new ground. Uh, it was. It was. It, there. There was. There was nothing being added to the conversation mm-hmm. with the story as presented. And honestly, I'm. I'm looking and I'm saying there's actually a lot more that can be explored here. And Lauren and Jilly has have really teased out some incredible uh, uh, thematic hooks that that can really lay some lay some major weight on this story. So and I'm really liking the whole shame part and it I I'm, I'm I like that. I mean it's just the whole idea of being ashamed of being the whole being ashamed of being different because mm-hmm. not just I mean as growing up, you know, geeks we and we are um, not yeah, those, you know. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Sure. You know, the, you know, oh, why, why aren't you watching? Why are you, why are you playing that stupid game with the dice, with the funny well, dice? And, and you should be playing football. And and with the with the cultural divisions that we have, I mean, that's a factor that everyone is dealing with. It's not just yeah. LGBT. It's 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 geeks. It's it's, it's anybody. It's jocks. It's 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 Republicans. It's Democrats. It's anybody that has a strong opinion mm-hmm. makes themselves a target for people of opposing perspectives and finding the strength either in your community or in your convictions or preferably both to, to continue to stand under the onslaught 
that that is bombarding you every single day from the media and from from opposing opinions is an incredibly heroic act. And, and how I think, that takes in vulnerability of the heart and the conviction. Yeah. Yes. Mm. That's what heroism is. It's not power. Yeah. Right. So. And that and that's kind of where I want where I right. would like to, because um because it's a human story. It's not just a power right. story. Exactly. Right. And it and that's what it needs to be. And one 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 last thought about the um about I, I know there's that do people know does society as a, at large know about superheroes? Do they not know about superheroes? Um there's another um there's another parallel you can draw with the gay community in that you have a lot of people who try to keep from their children that that's an option or that that exists and get yeah. really angry when people say, why are you showing that where kids can see it? Don't hold hands so where kids they can see it. They, they'll they start yeah. getting ideas. So what if it's something that is that like kids don't really know it's real? And how does the actual existence of superheroes change mm. pop culture for those children Ooh. and change stories mm. for those children nice. as well? Nice. I got chills from that one. Yep. Again. Yeah. And there's a scene that 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 I'm I'm seeing where you know through and this this would be like the climax of of Act Two, uh, where he's been hiding, he's been skulking, he's been trying to cure himself, trying to fix himself, and at some point. The, the, the circumstances just bludgeon him and bludgeon him and bludgeon him. And I just see him just rising up in the middle of the city uh, uh, and standing there like that scene in, in Chronicle where suddenly you see oh, people yeah. flying through the sky and everybody goes, holy fuck, what is that? <laughs> and and the shock and, and horror, because I can see people seeing these manifestations as like a disease, as AIDS, as as yeah. the plague, as, as something, oh, yeah. oh my God, no, don't give me superpowers, which is a wonderful turning of the trope because every yes. geek that's ever read a superhero book wants superpowers and everybody in the culture doesn't. And that's, that's the other thing too that I'm excited about by this, this sort of... Um, pathway is that one of the things I hate the most in uh, all right, Charmed, for instance, um, is that they're always wanting to be normal. And you're never understanding, like, why do they crave to be normal? Because, you know, it just, it just seems whoever wants to be normal, especially when you're like, you know, you love awesome. you <laughs> yeah. know, superheroes <laughs> and you love supernatural stuff and powers. So you don't want, you never, there's no real context for why they crave to be normal. There's no cultural context. If you build this cultural context for the shame and why it's hidden, it's going to resonate why people don't want powers. Sure. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And it's, and it, I mean, I've been kind of on a supernatural binge watch and. Oh, okay. oh yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and seriously, it, and I see, I mean, and you see the constant, I, and I see the constant kick from Sam, at least in the earlier episodes, where he's like, "Hey, you know what? Eat me. I want to go back to law school." And uh -huh. he and he's oh, dragged, yeah. he's dragged, kicking and screaming it back. It, it, I mean, it turns into Godfather Part Three. You know, they try <laughs> to get out, they keep pulling you back Pull in. Pull back in. <laughs> and that, and that's kind of. I mean, I can see where that's coming in as far as the. I can take so you know I'm 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 trying not to get involved, trying not to get involved until finally he has to get involved. And I and I I hate to break it down to something like that, but he but it there's you know a breaking point and 
Well, and that breaking point, that breaking point is either where you're broken or you find your strength. Mm-hmm. And honestly, when he reaches that breaking point, I would prefer to subvert the trope and break him. I agree. And and which is beautiful because he's invulnerable. He's got super strength. He's everything. And he's broken. It'll be really important. Whatever he does that breaks him, I think it should be a choice that he made that was that he now realizes was the wrong choice to make. Yeah. And he, cool. the guilt that is going to um influence that again and probably the shame and maybe even a self sabotage spiral. Absolutely. Um so Absolutely. he it's a choice that he has to make. It's gonna be like the turning what if, point. Even, what if it's even partly his fault the mentor gets captured? <gasps> yeah. Yeah. If he actually is the instrument that gets the, the mentor captured and then the knight actually comes to him in his time of trouble like Mother Mary in a Beatles song, you know, <laughs> kind of demonstrating what true heroism is. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Mm. And then the knight becomes a mentor. Yeah. Yes. And, uh, yeah. Nice. Yes. I like and, that. And, and But uh, the one line I want to use is Jim is on the ground and he's out. And he sees the knight and, you know, Jim's been weeping and whatever, you know, beating his chest and whatnot. And the knight says, are you done? <laughs> <laughs> Love it. Uh, I, I, right. I, I, it sounds cheesy, but whatever. All it right, works. guys, guys, the time is running down. We, we've gone oh, yeah. way long already. <laughs> um, so let's let's take this into the final segment. We're going to take one last turn around the table. Everybody, give your final thoughts to John. Uh, uh, any ideas we didn't touch on, or any any affirmations that you want to uh, uh, cement in his awareness, fill his pockets with literary gold, uh, so so that uh, we can send him off to write this story. Jilly, we'll start with you, ma'am. Uh, final thoughts for john uh i i just hope that you allow him to be in charge of his own fate and that whatever choices that he makes it's those the consequences fall the consequences and responsibilities fall on his shoulders uh please don't defer his authority to um others including his girlfriend or the lair i think it's going to be more powerful if these are choices that he has to make for himself and whether and especially if they're in for lack of a better word they're the wrong or bad choice Mm. um it'll echo more strongly and and, as a reverberation that he'll carry with him through the series since it sounds like you have also already have like Volume three, sort of, you know, <laughs> brewing on the back burner. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Good, good. I, I, I couldn't agree more. Lauren, what do you got? Um, I would definitely encourage you to really think about developing the girlfriend as a sympathetic character. Yes. Uh, but a sympathetic character with, um, with flawed, or with with a, a, a flawed lens on society or a lens that is not necessarily the best and uh but to to make her more sympathetic so that it kind of steers away from some of the uh more misogynistic tropes um of the backstabbing girlfriend oh, that thank are, you yes is, is it okay if i just piggyback on that for a second sure we can do that um um i'm so sorry i just it reminds me of uh the 
blog post that Chuck Wendig just posted like the, a day or two ago about um, like the and Cameron Hurley I think had something also about like the myth of the strong female character. Yeah, uh, and the action um, figure. Yes. Yeah, yeah. So like she needs to be a complicated person, even if she has like this the strength. And she's not going to be like sympathetic. Don't just go into she is a robot. <laughs> it was like on one way mission for her sibling or or something. So yeah. yeah, I just yeah. Make her nuanced. Yes, absolutely. Lauren, did you have anything else? Um, that was the main thing, but also to uh, to potentially dig into some of the stories of the LGBT community. Um, and, and really look at that and look at um, the way society over time has treated that community and um, the effect that that has had not only on um, on how people grow up, um, both from the side of being LGBTQ or from the side of being an ally and um, mm. explore that as you work on your society. Yeah. Yeah, I think I think there's there's a lot of 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 inspiration to be gained from from that exploration. That's good. Okay, I'm gonna can I piggyback on that one too? <laughs> so sorry. It's just that right now we're in this moment of uh, really really important trans activism, and mm-hmm. there is so much um, uh, violence exacted on uh, trans women in particular, and mm-hmm. I think that as I, I mean, I don't necessarily want this to be a way to like co-opt their story or to um, appropriate it, but as a way to just draw inspiration from the strength and the way that that community is also rallying around themselves, so that maybe that it, it can be something that the knight can bring and the lair can bring to Jim. Not as, not in an exploitive way where you're going to be like you know, stealing their stories and using them for like your own gain, but like a way to, you know, lift that community up in a symbolic way. Mm -hmm. Very much so. And, and, and I would, I would say, yeah, exploring that, finding, finding ways to, to illustrate the anathema of the superhero uh, in the context of this, of this society. Uh, Probably in the opening scenes. Yeah. (laughs) Oh yeah. Having Mm -hmm. somebody beaten, because somebody think you know somebody thinks that they rumors have spread that he's doing super things uh, uh, and and eventually he's like outed and then and then beaten to death uh, uh, or 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 maybe it doesn't have to be that dramatic but but illustrations of the fact that it it's not it's not cool it's it's bad it's a cancer it's a disease. It's it's it needs it's to be, unnatural. Yes, it's unnatural. Exactly. All of all of those those words that get bandied about so so cavalierly uh, uh, when trying to to other something or someone yeah. uh, uh, use those about advertisements and screening and yeah. screening suggestions that you get on on subways, on billboards, on yeah. the commercials that have a a, a lovely um, flower field and that are very vague <laughs> yeah 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 absolutely all of that uh, uh and and have that be and and that's the other thing is is god make socrates powerful 
and not powerful in terms of superpowers, but make him incredibly smart and weave him in every thread of every culture, uh, 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 even, oh, even, yeah. even mythologies, you know, about about the undying hermit. Uh, yeah, blah, I wouldn't blah, know blah. anything about mythology. Though. No, you wouldn't. <laughs> uh, uh, so you've got rich material to draw from there and, and weave Socrates into those. Make him larger than life. Uh, uh, I actually would like to see some POV inside the cave so we can yeah. get that sense yeah. of their righteousness and and the, the, the validity of their 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 cause. You know, maybe maybe when they approach uh, uh, Jim's girlfriend, uh, uh, they're not going to you know, it's not a recruitment. It's a seduction. And and they don't want to spook her. They don't want to scare her. The other thought I had was what if his girlfriend is pregnant? Oh, yikes. And now and now not only is Jim unclean, but he may have passed his uncleanness to his child. Uh, and plus the weight of a young man confronted with, oh, my God, my girlfriend's pregnant and I don't have a job. And holy crap, now I have superpowers. And, you know, just life just, sucks for Jim. Exactly. <laughs> Let's make life suck for Jim. So so just making. Well, now, make, and then then that's when you have the smite me, you mighty smiter moment. <laughs> or, or you know, something along those lines. I, I don't, I don't think that news necessarily is going to be enough for that. But I think it, it needs to wear on him for a while. I don't know. That would pretty much just that would pretty much be the back the broke the camel's straw for me. Well, it's like I got nothing. You give me something I can't do anything with, and you knocked my girl. I knocked my girl up. Thanks, God. <laughs> Well, and it's it's your story, John. You roll with it as you will. But I think that the the bottom line is, uh, uh, superheroes have been painted in broad strokes with with bold lines and primary colors for a long time. Uh, uh, and if 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 all you want to do is is you know rubber stamp that into a story, that's cool. But I think there's more to it than that. And if you're going to do that, then those colors need to fade and run. The The lines can't be as black and white. And, and finding ways to, to blur them for our hero, I think, will make him more endearing, make him more engageable to the readers. Uh, uh, and then doing that for everybody, for his girlfriend, for Socrates, for, for, for the cave, for the night, all of them. Uh, the Plutarch who yeah. is willing, for whatever reason, to become that anathema. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I, I, it, there's so much here, John, and, and I, and, dude, I gotta tell you, thank you uh, uh, for for stepping up, uh, not only at the, in the incredible last minute, but also putting what has turned into an incredible discussion on the table for us, John. Yeah, uh, like you, I said, you guys just like I, I was like, okay. <laughs> well, it's just, it just went from there. I, I mean, I freaking love you people. Well, you're the you're the first person. You're the first knight of the round table to return to the round table. Uh, uh, and so the offer still stands. Uh, uh, you write this story. You publish it and put it out in the world, however you do so. And when you do, we will once again bring you back. And we will make you a double night of the round table. Is that uh, like double secret probation? Double secret probation. Maybe maybe it'll make you a duke of the round table. You'll become like Lando. Oh, I like it. <laughs> the Jilly... noble now. <laughs> yes, exactly. He's gentry. Jilly Dreadful, thank you so much for making the time and and uh, coming onto the show and and wading in both feet first, deep deep into the deep end of this story workshop. Uh, it has been awesome. Thank you so much. 
I, I can't thank you enough for inviting me. This was so much fun, and I really thank you, John, for, one, stepping up at the last minute so that I got to experience this. There you and go. And also, two, for your being brave, because, like, when these ideas are so nebulous, it's it's kind of hard to talk about it with other people. So I just thank you for being open. Oh, Absolutely. And my co-host, Lauren Scribe-Harris, ma'am, thank you so much. Let's do this again, okay? All right, yeah. not a problem. Yeah. She's really good. She's awesome. <laughs> she is. She's fabulous. And as long as we're doling out gratitude, dear friends, thank you for hitting that play button and letting us ramble and froth in your ears for an hour or so. Uh, you guys, you, you close the loop for us. If 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 there's nobody that else that's listening to this awesomeness, then we're just kind of muppet flailing here in the darkness so so thank you for that if you're feeling the love and you want to pay it forward uh by all means blog about us you know let us let people know about the round table uh uh there's give us a review on itunes uh, uh and thank you so much for those who have done so they're fabulous and it really helps boost our rankings in the in the itunes feed so that's fabulous we do have a forum now on the roundtable podcast website which is new and sexy so check that out and if you've got ideas for john continue the discussion there absolutely and you can always follow us out on facebook at facebook.com slash roundtable podcast well, friends, here we are once again. I've I've lit a cigarette. <laughs> I'm feeling <laughs> I'm feeling mellow and good. But here here's the beauty of the round table. In seven days, this shit happens all over again. We bring back another amazing guest host to pour wisdom in our ears and inspire us. Another courageous and bold guest writer to pitch a story out into the arena for our for our brainstorming fun more round table goodness to be had by all but that is seven days that's a long time i know lauren what should people be doing between now and seven days from now you know there's really only one thing i can think of what's that lauren they should be writing hell yeah Absolutely. Get your butt in the seats and your fingers on the keyboard. Put your stories out in the world. That's where they belong. And I will tell you, dear friends, you find what you're looking for. So look for the blue label top shelf goodness. Look for that brightly wrapped package at the back of the tree. Look for it, and I promise you, you will find it. We will be back in just seven days. Until then, you guys stay cool, be frothy, be awesome. And we will talk to you soon. Bye-bye. This episode of the Roundtable Podcast is copyright 2015 by Wonder Thing Studios and is released under a Creative Commons attribution, non-commercial, share-alike license. That means please don't sell it, but you can share it to your heart's content. You can even use portions of it in your own productions, as long as you release those productions under the same licensing terms and reference us as the source. Theme music for the Roundtable podcast was performed by the Hepcats of Brotown. Gary Gold, David LaBroyere, Billy Nobel, and Matt O'Donnell. If you would like to be a guest writer or guest host, join in on the conversation or just learn more about us, visit our website at www.roundtablepodcast.com. We're also on Facebook at facebook.com slash roundtablepodcast and on Twitter, at Writers Podcast. And you can always email us at thetable at roundtablepodcast.com. 
Thanks for listening.